the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager with Julie Hartman. It's the Dennis and Julie podcast. What number is this? Anybody know? 68. By the way, it gives you an idea of the speed with which life goes, that this is the 68th. Incidentally, did we miss one since the first? No. I am very proud of that. Me too. There's a lot of travel and a whole host of issues that are, arose. I, I think since... Gra- Lockdowns and... Yes. I think since my graduation, we've only had two over Zoom. Recently, you were in Serbia, and then there was one other time that you were traveling. But that's pretty amazing. In the past yes. year, just two. We're, we were saying, for those of you listening or watching, we really love doing this. We have so much fun. It's the highlight of my week. It, it, and that's an interesting question because you said it's not work. And it's true, but it is work. It's right. a, it's it, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough one to answer. It is. Is it work? If you ch- utterly enjoy doing something, is it work? Well, when I I guest hosted for you recently, and I did hour three on Nietzsche, the the nineteenth uh, century German thinker, and I was interviewed the next day uh, by do you know Kevin McCullough? He's he's yeah, Salem, of course, and he said. Oh my gosh, Julie, you know, you do so much work for these shows. You're reading Nietzsche. And I thought, I don't really view that as work. I mean, it is, of course. I mean, the night before I'm reading. No, so, but it isn't. No, it's fun. But my my overriding question is a very interesting (laughs) one. If you thoroughly enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy this time with you. So is it work? Okay. I have a response that may not be a direct answer to the question, but bear with me. I think the definition of having a successful work life or professional life is when you're doing something and someone watching you can't tell if this is your job or this is something you're just doing for fun. That That's a very good insight. And I, I can give a whole bunch of analogies. You know, you know how much I'm into music. So let's say I go to... Who pi- are you? Music? Yeah, exactly. So let's say I go to a piano recital. I, and no one in the audience can enjoy the recital if we think the pianist is working hard at doing mm. what he's doing or she's doing. It's a perfect, it's an exact analogy to what you're saying. That's really true. Yeah. Oh, if you think that they're struggling to get every note right, you're nervous. Yes. You can't enjoy it. You have it. to put the audience at ease. That's, you have to put the audience at ease. That's well, no, yes, it's correct. It could be both work and fun. Of course he's right. Yeah. That's true. And and look at it. I mean, my mind is racing during the show. I'm always that's I'm right. thinking how, you know, yes. how can I communicate something that's worth that's the audience's right. time, you know. When, so, uh, that, so do you know the only time I realize how hard 3 hours a day of radio is? Is really the only time when and you do us after? N- no, when I'm on vacation. Oh. Oh. And and I realize Wow, I don't have to prepare the night before. Yes, I don't have to worry about what's going on in the world. I don't have to get up at any time unless I just want to get up. And I go, I go to Sue and go, Wow, this <laughs> Julie's is, guest hosting. This is great. Yes, Julie's got to go do yes, it. Yes, that's right. Well, you know what I like about this show, and by the way, I have found, and I've always loved guest hosting for you. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. It's a joy. It's it's really fun. Um, But I'm finding it's getting easier, both the preparation and the execution itself. And I think it's because this job is so right for me and that it really, it really is what I want to be doing. I have. It is perfectly right for you. 
I'm laughing because I feel like I find any way to transition to Jane Eyre because I'm reading it now and it's so captured my attention. I I just want to like scream from the rooftops that everyone should read Jane Eyre. It's not hard to read. It's so life enriching. But this show, Dennis and Julie, is so fun because I will read throughout the week for for both work and for pleasure or I'll kind of contemplate life and this is the show where I can kind of bring it all together. I can take my insights and I go, if I'm reading it and I'll go, huh, maybe that's not a timeless episode, but that's a Dennis and Julie point. I, well, I completely identify, obviously, because I've done it so long. When somebody comes up with an idea and I say, I can't thank you enough. And they go, what? Mm -hmm. You gave me a topic for a show. Mm Mm-hmm. That's gold, my friend. That is gold. <laughs> well, I just want to live an engaged life. Like wherever I am uh, in life, right. it could be you fodder. Do. Any conversation, whether it's with a taxi driver or, you know, any, like, if I see someone trip, I could, I, I'll analyze it and I'll go, huh, what, you know, h- how does a human being trip? Maybe I'll do a show on it. It's just, it's, everything in life right. can be interesting well, and fun. I, I so deeply identify with you. You want to understand life. Yep, that's how we ended last week. Is that right? Yes. All Me that. and my memory. Minute. Yes. One hour and eight, 37 gonna, seconds. Oh, by the way, you're going to crack up on this one. So I, I don't know. I pray I didn't tell you this because I hate repeating things to you. But because there's no reason to. You remember them. So did I tell you my test? You'll Believe me, there's a link to what you just said. But it does. It doesn't matter. We do chan- tangents for a living. But in any event, so you know my test for whether you're really trans. Oh no, I have. Oh, you not yes. Heard okay, this. so fine. <laughs> I have a test. If a guy says I'm a woman, right? He's a yeah. trans woman. So I have a test. I have two tests. Okay. Number one. Uh, let's see. Can you now find things? Oh, yes, you did say this. Well, frankly, Dennis, I I, I hear your point. I disagree with the example you give. In my experience, men don't find things very easily. That's my point. Oh, oh. Now that you've become a woman, do you find things? Oh, okay. I thought it was, oh, okay. Yeah, a trans woman is a man who becomes a woman. I see. Oh, okay. So he just goes into into my earphone. Harvard. (laughs) Hey. Right. We don't talk about that. Yeah, don't talk about her alma mater in any disparaging possible way. Oh, I want to talk about your alma mater in a moment. Oh, don't let me finish. Here we go. I mean, don't let me forget. So that's my first test. Okay. Since guys don't find things. But by the way, I have a great uh, illustrative example for you. Um, so first of all, er- almost, every mar- almost every married man I know, when they can't find something, they just immediately call their wife's name. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's a given. There, in fact, I realized because I analyze everything. There's my I have a way of saying Sue that means I can't find something. Yes, it's this distinctive Sue. I think that's what it is. <laughs> it's not, in other words, it's, there's no annoyance. There's it's I can't find something. Annoyment. So let me, yes, so let me tell you the best example. I was in some city uh, within the last month, which could be a lot of places. Yeah, so anyway, I was in the hotel room. And uh, I, I'm talking to Sue, uh, by obviously on the phone, and I, I, ca- I can't find my tablet. I just can't. I've looked all over. I can't find it. She said, the odds are, or maybe not even the odds are, look under the bed covering because that's probably what happened when the, when the woman came in to do your room. She probably didn't realize if the tablet was in the bed and it's being covered by the by the, the the bed cover. She's right. Yeah. So she was a thousand miles away and still <laughs> found it. Okay. So anyway, that's test number one. If you really have become a woman, can you now find things? Right. Test number two, which is far more serious, is so you can't say you are the other sex if you don't start thinking like the other sex. It's just phony. You can look like it. You can have 52 surgeries. 
But if your brain remains the same as it was when you were a, a man, you're a man. I'm sorry. I, it's, it's not put. It's not a put down. It's not an insult. It's just it's a just, fact. It's just a fact. So, for example, uh, I, this I probably did say, but it's. I'll still repeat it if, even if I did. So there was a test done of college students. They wanted to figure out what do men think about, what do women think about. So I've told you this. So they put. It's so accurate. Yes, they put totally. So they put uh, uh, men in a room alone, not with each other. So a guy would, I don't know, four hours alone, nothing, just staring at walls. What would you think out for the hours you were there? They did the same thing with the women. Hours alone, what would you think about? So the men said sex and sports, okay, which is the male brain personified, in my opinion. That's how I knew the, the test was accurate, sex and yes. sports. They asked the women, and this this was what I was dying to find out. I don't have a clue. I knew it wasn't sex and sports. I knew it. So what was it? They reviewed conversations. This was the most illuminating moment of my understanding women that I think I ever had in one insight. Spot on. That's what women do. And that's why they, they can't sleep. That's why they drive themselves nuts. And, and uh, of course, when I talk about men and women in speeches, I go, so folks, let me just explain to you, women... On behalf of your husband, let me tell you something. When you say to your husband, honey, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing. He's not lying to you. (laughs) That must be such a luxury. (laughs) Oh, totally. Well, you know my line. If you got our brains for a day, you would would be in heaven. Free, free at last. If we got your brains for a day, they would be mass suicide. Yes, it's true. Yes, it is true. But what's interesting, sorry to interrupt you, and also sorry to take it down a, a bleak road, but men... Are, are far out outnumber women in suicide. That's correct. Well, it's, it's funny. Women outnumber men in attempted, mm. but it's not. It's a it's a call right. for it's help. It's a call for help. Right. Exactly. Right. But you're you're right. No, no. The, the, no, that, I hear. I your know, point. Your point real, is yes. taken. So, so my two questions about trans women, that is, men who claim they're women, is one: Can you now find things? Two: Have you stopped thinking about sex and sports? Mm. You know, I. I have recently, I've been thinking a lot about this trans issue because it's everywhere and it's gotten so obscene and insane and I think criminal. I think to mutilate the healthy breast tissue or or generally is criminal. It's evil. It is evil. It is criminal. In California, there's a statute that will probably be passed which would classify parents as abusive in custody battles if they do not affirm. A national review made the point soon it will not even be in custody battles. If your child says he is a girl or she is a boy and you don't affirm it, they may just take the child away, even if it's a married couple. Washington State. They have that in Washington State. They, they, if, you, if a child runs away to a, a shelter or foster care, they don't have to notify the parents if it's because the parents didn't affirm their gender. This, this has gotten – this isn't left or – this is what I said last week. The main distinction in America isn't left or right, Democrat or Republican. It's civilizational versus anti-civilizational values. This is front and center right here uh, as an example. But I think about this trans issue a lot, and I'm a compassionate person, despite what some leftists may think, based on my political views. You know, hopefully the listeners know I'm very compassionate. And in college, when there would be people in the class that were transgender, you know, I would I would go by their preferred pronouns. I think I'm going to stop doing that now. Because this and, – and, and by the way, it pains me to say I, – I, I really – Sorry. I really want to get to the right place in life. Who did you say you're sorry to? To the mic. mic. Okay. On behalf of your (laughs) microphone, no problem. You know, when I get out of elevators and I'm alone, I go, thank you. You do? Yes. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. I thought everyone did that. You said thank you to the elevator? Yes. You thought everyone did that? The fact that you said thank you to the elevator is remarkable. That you think everyone does it. Is incredible. You know what I've also done sometimes, just to make it the the Dennis and Julie tangent hour. Sometimes when I'm ordering takeout on the phone or speaking with someone on the phone, I'll go "Bye, love you" because I'm so used to saying "Bye, love you" to my parents or my friends. That's adorable. <laughs> and I'll go, no, oh, I'm that, sorry. that that is adorable. Back to anyway, about the pronouns. Yes, it, look, it pains me because I do. 
as I said, I want to get to the right place in life. I want to balance, balance being judicious and being rational with also being compassionate. But so I'm not saying this with glee, like I'm no longer going to affirm the pronouns, ha ha. But there, I have really seen the danger of the um, assault on truth. And in any small way, I don't want to affirm that. I don't, I, in any way, I don't want to affirm this assault on truth. I, I think of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Live Not By Lies. And I also think of your fabulous commentary that good was it intentions. Was Solzhenitsyn who wrote Live Not By yeah. Lies? Oh, mm-hmm. it wasn't the Rod Dreher's book? No. Okay. And I think of your your commentary that the road to hell is, is paved with, with good mm-hmm. intentions and I put those two thoughts in a blender, live not by lies, and you know, even your good intentions can still lead to bad. And what does it produce? It produces this conclusion I've come to. Even if I have good intentions in doing it, I can't well, do this anymore. Well, I don't understand this. When, when you have a, a waiter or a waitress, and you, uh, you, you want to call them over, very few people go, waiter or server. It would we be go, rude. Sir, ma'am. So why can't we just continue that? If you look like a sir, I call you sir. You look like a ma'am, I call you ma'am. Well, we're right 99.99% of the time. Why can't we continue to do that? If you if you transgender so successfully that you look like X or Y, then I'll call you X or Y. You don't have to tell me your preferred pronoun. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart, and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for AmFed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver, or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold. Gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have Dennis's back. Nick's been in this industry for over 42 years, and he's established and built a reputation based on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Dennis's friend Nick and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 1-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. I am going to predict something right now, and my dear friend and mentor, Dennis Prager, I'm talking about him like he's not right in front of me. You've, inv- you've advised me, and, and you, you do this on your own, to not predict, because who knows the future? But I'm going to break your rule, and I'm going to predict. There will be a time, I may not be alive, you may not be alive to see it, where, where we are going to really have a reckoning as people like to say today about racial issues with this transgender mm-hmm. issue future generations will look back the same way that we look back on slavery and go how could this moral atrocity occur? Uh, i i think that's true and i uh, i say this often i i said during the during the pandemic for example i said i want my grandchildren to know that puppy that's how they know me that Poppy fought the lockdowns, that Poppy did not get vaccinated, and I will be proud that they have that memory of me when I have left this world. I will be proud that they know that I have called out the evil of the American medical establishment, of the children's hospitals, of all of these women, mostly women, pediatricians and surgeons and psychologists and psychiatrists who have pushed kids into having horrible things done to their bodies and to their minds. I will be proud that my grandchildren knew I fought this just as the people who resisted slavery, the abolitionists, will be proud to know that their grandchildren knew they fought slavery. It's You're right. You have to set example not only for yourself and the people around you, but but future generations. As corny as it sounds, it it can be very inspiring and motivating for someone to know that there was someone in their lineage who stood up to evil. It's... You're right. You know, I I was talking... I mentioned... Did I mention it this week or last week? I I don't know. But um, 
that uh, Kevin McCullough on um, here on Salem interviewed me. Yes. And he said something to me. He asked, what do people your age think about the political situation? And I said, you know, there is this view that has taken hold among among people my age that if it doesn't affect us, we shouldn't care. Even the people who may think that this transgender stuff has gotten too crazy, they don't have the desire to change it or to actively resist it. And it's just an interesting thought because if you look back at previous generations of Americans, it seems to me that they understood that they had a responsibility not just to themselves, not just to their own family, but as I said a few moments ago, to future generations, to carry on the baton of civilization and run with it, advance it, and then pass it on to the next. We don't view life that way anymore. We don't We don't view ourselves as having any other responsibility to other people besides ourselves and our personal and professional advantage. That's it. Even if, even if, uh, from a from an outside perspective, we can look and see, oh yeah, I wouldn't do it that way, or I don't agree with that. We still don't we we don't think it, there's any need for us to go out and fight it because oh well, it doesn't affect me. But what those people don't understand is it does affect you. If you think in a utilitarian way, you would actually stand up to evil because the evil will always come and get you. Yeah, well, by the time it does, it's too late, obviously. That was the famous statement by, by the pastor in, in Germany. Right. You know, first they came for the Jews. I wasn't a Jew. I didn't speak up. Then they came for the communists. I wasn't a communist. didn't speak mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Then they came for the labor, and I wasn't a worker. And, the, and then they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak up. That, that, that's a factor. But there's, an, the, there's a related issue. It's not just posterity, and it's not just it'll affect me. So... One of the reasons I am so adamant about people getting married is not only because I think it's best for them, it's best for society. Society is a, is a very big concern. Yes. And that is no longer a concern. You don't, people don't ask what is best for society. It is what is best for me. The, the, the society is not made better with sexual confusion. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it, it was better when men identified as men and women as women and overwhelmingly uh, love and marriage went together like a horse and carriage as the, as the song went. That's sweet. That, that was, the, you, you never heard that? I haven't, no, but that's, that's quite oh, nice. Oh, I didn't make that up. That, no, no, it's a very... F- I thought, wow, Dennis, you're quite poetic. No, I'm not. I'm not poetic at all. There's a very famous song Love and marriage go together like a horse. Love and marriage, love and... I very rarely sing, but go together like a horse and carriage. That was a theme song, I think, from some uh, sitcom in uh, yeah, Married with Children. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's... So just think of it. When I was a child, and I mean a child, I, it was... Love and marriage yeah, he's playing it now. go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother... You can't have one without the other. You see, that's, that's, I mean, think about that. That that was a popular song, that love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. People don't realize that's good for society. That we have now, I believe for the first time in American history, we have more people living outside of marriage than inside of marriage. For the, I think mm-hmm. it's the first time mm-hmm. in American history, and I think that that statistic is accurate. This is a catastrophe for the country. It's not, it's not just sad for vast numbers of people. It's, it's bad for the country. I'll give you another one, clothing. Oh, yes. We've that, talked which about is a this. big passion of mine. I, I tell you, it, it, I, when I, you know, I'm on an airplane, virt- I average out airplanes every single week of the year. And I, I watch how people come on airplanes. Do you, do you know that when I was a kid, people got dressed up to go on an airplane? I do. Now, now I would like to ask, it would be fun to ask your age group, not from the perspective of the individual, but from the perspective of the society, which would be brand new to them, the whole question, because it's only what it matters to me, my truth, as, yes. right, as often said. Do you think the society is better off if people get dressed nicely to go on a plane? I'll use that example, mm-hmm. or wear T-shirts. 
Mm-hmm. At, I believe most people your age would say it doesn't matter. Because mm-hmm. the question would be meaningless to them. Oh, yes. I don't Why owe are you even anything asking? to society. Right. I only owe to me. I'm comfy. That's all that matters. So I just recently um, did an episode on demographics on my show, Julie Noted, or the portion, the news portion of my show. And to distill it into one sentence, the Middle East and Africa, Central and South Asia are booming demographically. China has a huge demographic problem because of the one-child policy. Russia has one because of alcoholism and, among other things, military conscription. Actually, they've lost a lot of young men in in this war in Ukraine. And the West is dwindling because of these ideas that have taken hold about about marriage. And if you look at Muslim-majority countries, there are two reasons why they procreate the way that they do. Number one is it's just – it's – it's a religious value. In the Quran, they, the Quran talks extensively about procreation. You are fulfilling God's prophecy if you are doing so. Fertility in women is highly prized. That's one reason. You know another reason? The caliphate. The caliphate was essentially this ruling of a caliph, which was both a religious leader and unifier, if you will, of all of uh, Muslims in the world. A lot of Muslim majority countries don't like being divided among uh, dividing Muslims among Pakistan, Iran, Iraq. They want to be all under this one caliph that once existed now doesn't. And so there's this desire to procreate, A, because the Quran instructs you to, but B, because they want to see the caliphate come back. That is a forward thinking. I don't I have a responsibility beyond just myself. I have a responsibility to the future of Islam, to my children and grandchildren to see this caliphate become achieved. And by the way, it may, it may become achieved. You know, by 2050, Russia is supposed to lose 15 million people and 50% of Russia is going to be Muslim. It's amazing. So I'll just say this one thing, but that's, that's an example of the forward thinkingness. When I, when you were talking, I was thinking of the pilgrims. I have been reading about the colonial period. Thanks to Paul Johnson a lot recently. I, I know it sounds corny and nerdy, and guess what? It's both, but I don't care. I am so humbled by the people who got on the Mayflower. and came. Can you imagine that bravery, that principle? That, talk about forward thinking. I want to go to this new land and, and establish a country, and not just a country, the, the, the freest, most democratic country that has ever been known. There were 102 people on the Mayflower. 51 died. When they got, when they landed at Plymouth, they, they had half of the people that they, that they set off having, you know what they procreated, they got married, they had kids because they understood the responsibility they had to civilization. It's just, it's a way of thinking as you identified that we don't even contemplate. We don't, we, we think Here's an example. you get married for me. Do people plant trees like they used to. Do people pick up litter? Oh, oh, that. They don't think it's their responsibility if they see a Coke can on the street to pick it up and throw it in the crash. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Imagine if the pilgrims thought that way. We wouldn't have this country. We wouldn't be alive. By the way, the trees is a real thing because we live in a desert in Southern California. Right. All the trees were were specifically planted by generations before so we would have them. Are we doing this for next generation? You know what it is, Dennis? I just had this thought, and it's probably not revelatory, but to me it is. We don't have gratitude for the past. We don't, you know, Shabbat dinner. That's a great, great, Isn't it? But Shabbat dinner, um, I probably shouldn't have said his name, but... Cats out of the bag. That's who we have Shabbat dinner with. Amazing rabbi. He recently went to a graduation and he was talking to me about how disgusted he was at this graduation, even though he said the the occasion itself and being with family was nice. But but just the um, just how political it was and how you graduates are the best generation ever. You're going to make a change. What he said was there was no sense of everything that you have learned 
everything that that you got at this university was because of the hard work and the accumulated knowledge and wisdom of people who came before you the the thinkers the 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 people who invented buildings the people who cleaned the dorm rooms it is all an accumulation of those efforts and and so no wonder there's no responsibility to plant trees or pick up litter or to procreate we're not grateful for the people who did it for us so then we don't respons- see a responsibility to do it for the forthcoming people. That was great. That's right. On the gratitude issue, you know my line, I think. When you go to college, you get a BA in ingratitude, you mm-hmm. get a master's in ingratitude, and a PhD in ingratitude. Yep. In fact, I do believe the day you become a grateful person, you leave the left. There's no such thing Absolutely. as a grateful leftist. Absolutely, because that's conservatism. It, it's it's gratitude and reverence. Or even liberal. There are grateful liberals. F- oh, fair enough. But but they vote for the ingrates. In liberals, liberals have good, often good values, uh, but they they ruin the society by voting for the people who hate their values. The leftists. But that, that's a separate question. It just I I just needed to say that the real ingrates are the leftists, and so. When you become grateful, or it's my old riddle. I actually tell this to, to blacks that I meet. They think it's hilarious. Oh, I know this yeah. one. It's what do great. You, what do you call a happy black American? A Republican. Correct. Okay, so I have another thing to say here. Um, there's an assault on merit, which we've discussed on this show. What incentive is there for young people to work hard? If they don't think their merit is going to be rewarded, if they think they're going to be chosen or not chosen based on immutable characteristics, it's difficult to know what to do to, to move the ball in a different direction when it seems that society has gone to hell. I'll give you a solution that I thought of recently apropos of this discussion about doing things that benefit not just you but your civilization. Go out of your way to reward people and recognize people when they do do something well. I was I was at a um, a restaurant recently, and I, I the person who I was with um, asked for this modification on her food because she had this allergy, and the the waitress went above and beyond to make sure that mm-hmm. that my friend was comfortable and to, and you know what I said to this waitress? She didn't act like oh god, you know, there's mm-hmm. this modification or uh, you know what I said to this waitress? I said you're a true professional. You're, you're, you you really are. You're a true professional. You're smiling. You're, you're taking this. How did this. she react? And she looked at me and she said, thank you so much. And, you know, the next time I see someone pick up litter on the street, I probably won't. But I'm going to thank that person. And you know what? I just want to tell everyone because I try to do this myself. If you go out and pick up litter on the street, people will notice you. They may not say it to you. They may not compliment you as I am encouraging people to compliment others. But they'll notice it. And I think it'll make more of an impression There's than you Hebrew might expect. There's a saying, uh, apropos of that comment. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had almost everything you could want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For our exclusive listeners, the My MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with the promo code Hartman. MyPillow 2.0's temperature-regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Enter the promo code Hartman or call 1-800-566-6745 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. There's a Hebrew saying again, which is known to every uh, to every Jewish kid who has ever attended a yeshiva, a Jewish religious school. Avera uh, goreret avera, a let's see, literally a sin uh, drags along another sin. Mitzvah goreret mitzvah, a good deed drags along another good deed. Mm. And listening to what you said, I now have a second explanation for a phrase I've known all my life. 
because it's true. If you start doing good, you'll do more good. You start doing bad, you'll do more bad. That's just the way it works in life. That is what the understanding of that phrase is. But I realize now, when you do good, it prompts others to do good. And when you do bad, it prompts others to do bad. So it drags along a bad, not only in you, but in others. So when you pick up, that's that's my point. I was thinking about your litter point. That's, mm-hmm. that's when people see that. You write about this in Genesis when um, when um, Cain kills Abel, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I still have my wits about me. I didn't know if it was Abel killing Cain. It's Cain killing Abel. I knew that. Um, and there's a line in the Torah, reason number thirty trillion thousand. I know that's not a number. I was a history major. Why the Torah is great. It says. When when Cain killed Abel, he killed the bloods of Abel. There's That's bloods right. is That's plural. what it says in Hebrew. That's exactly your point. When you kill one person, you don't just kill one person. You kill all of the potential progeny they could mm-hmm. have had. Every good deed, bad deed has a compounding effect. So that's a third explanation of the ver- of that uh, verse or saying. That's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. May I say one other thing? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I know you No, were... no, no, not at all. I was looking at what you were thinking. Oh, of. yeah. I'm glad the viewer can't see my scribbles. They're not very <laughs> eloquent looking. So Tom Hanks recently gave the commencement address at Harvard mm-hmm. for the class of 23. And actually, he talked about the American way. He didn't identify or articulate what the American way was, but he, he, he at least spoke those words in the speech. I listened to the speech, I'll be very honest, because it's Dennis and Julie. It didn't it didn't register with me. It was not the worst speech I've ever seen. It wasn't intensely political, but it was it wasn't personal and I didn't quite get what he was saying. I'm like, are you advocating for all of us to be Americans? Are you like I, I, I couldn't get it. He did in his speech talk about picking up trash. And as I was articulating the point to you and to our listeners as to why all of us should pick up trash. I was thinking, why, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm complimenting myself, but why is the way I'm arguing it registering now, at least to me and hopefully to you, but the way Tom Hanks argued it didn't register? And it's because I think when people talk about these platitudes like, oh, pick up trash, they really have to understand and be able to explain why that's important. What I just outlined here, the gratitude thing, the passing on the baton of civilization, I hope that was a good articulation, a really good kind of push and argument for why you should do this thing. And I just, I don't know, I thought it was worth noting because... It well, did he give a reason? No, he was just, he said, you can make a difference in small ways. You can pick up trash. You can, but you have to, what I, what I wish I could tell these commencement speakers is you really have to make the case for why someone should pick up trash. Hmm. Otherwise, it's not going to register. It just sounds like a nice thing to do. It just sounds like a nice, and it's, in, it's beyond a nice thing to do. Just as how you go on the airplane. It's a civilizational that's thing right. to do. This is all civilization. But they can't argue it no, to a, a, an audience because right. they themselves don't understand it. It is interesting. He was the commencement speaker. Yeah, he's so, a great. I'm. I'm fine. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. No, he he's, is a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, from all reports, I, I, that's not the issue. There are many nice guys, though. Look, they, as you point out, they could have been worse. Uh, oh, and there have. Uh, they well. <laughs> what is her name? Avern. Mine. Yes, Jacinda, Jacinda Ardern. Ardern. Did you know, so you know, she's going to teach. The one who said, if you, if you don't hear it from the government, it's not true. Oh, and you know Lori Lightfoot? That's is, just what I was yep. going to tell you. Lori Lightfoot in the School of Public Health. Yep. So I said on the show, on my show, so what does a the typical Harvard alumnus think? Wow, I'm so proud to have a Harvard degree they're having Lori Lightfoot teach there? Or doesn't this cheapen my Harvard degree? Of course it cheapens your Harvard degree. If Lori Lightfoot is teaching at Harvard, Harvard is not particularly impressive. I hate to say it, but you're right. Your degree has been cheapened by yes. that appointment. That's, a, that's an article you should write for the Wall Street Journal. Mm. 
Yeah. What they, what they, with, with Ardern too. I want to write the with merit article. With both of them. The what? The merit article. Yes, do that. Why work yes. hard. Yeah. Okay, so I, I have a, do we have time for this? We do. Okay, good. Do you mind if I go in a little bit to Jane Eyre? Do I mind? <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> if you told me you, you have the Bronx phone book, I would be interested in your insight. Well, yeah, that's true. You have theories about everything and you're interested in everything. Right. And I think you'll really like this. So, oh, there goes my pen. Whatever. Thank God I have an, another one, but it's not fountain pen. I'm sorry. Well, you know what it is? I don't want to lose it. That's why I don't carry it around with me. Well, there is a major disadvantage built into being a woman. You don't have pockets. Yes, that is true. And your purse is like a bottomless pit. I'm well aware. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. How how do I possibly explain how much I love this book? Um, it's it's just amazing. It's it's digestible. What, how much have you read of it? I've read about uh, a little under a half, uh, half of it. And you, you're you're loving it. Loving it. I'm actually. Is it shocked. one of the greatest books? It's one you've of ever the read? greatest books I've ever read, and I'm actually shocked that I love it so much because I like reading. But you know, some old books, even if I'm enjoying them, they can be hard. Sitting and reading this, it's easy. It's so enriching, and I'm just captured. I'm just, I can't wait to read what it. What is it a story day. about? It's a story about Jane Eyre, who was born um, an orphan. She had to go live with her aunt and her mean cousins. Who in were, England? In England, they, who were mean to her. They, then she was sent away to an orphanage because she just could no longer live with those evil cousins. And then she becomes a governess. That's a really footnotes. So thing. she marries. Um. Yes, but you're not supposed to know that. Uh-huh. That's a little giving giving it away. Okay. It's a love story. It's it's a it's a story about it's just a story about human nature and about so, she describes people so brilliantly. Do you think she the author if I were to ask her, do you think human nature is basically good? What would she answer? Oh my god, Dennis. Oh my god. I, I just okay, now I'm really determined to get you to read this. She would say no. Exactly. She, this book, you know what's so amazing I, about I this book? I knew that. It, it couldn't be a good book if she thought This yes. is the Bible in a fiction book. Hmm. This is what I love about Jane Eyre, and this is what I love about the Scarlet Letter, which I have on my set. It's it's not that the Bible isn't fun. I honestly think the Bible is riveting. But but this is this is the Bible in story form. This is what fiction should be. Be entertained, but also have good values inculcated in you. And you know what's also amazing about Charlotte Bronte, who, by the way, died at the age of 36. She was pregnant when she died. She wrote this book, among others, before she died. Wow. I mean, she only lived 36 years. And this woman has such insight into people. She she describes... Was she a best-selling author when she was alive? I don't know. I don't know. But when I go to London in, in a few months... Was. I'm curious. I'm visiting her home. I'm going to go to her home. I'm going to go to her church. I'm a Charlotte Bronte fangirl now. Yeah, I, 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 I really can't impart to you. So how what much were you going to say before? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So quickly, I'm going to read this one example of how this is a Judeo-Christian book, and then I'm going to get to the quote that I want to get to. I think this 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 book has the best one sentence case for religion ever written. With this, so it's from this girl at the orphanage. Her name is Helen Burns, and she's mistreated by a teacher. And she's very. She's a very pious young woman. She's 14 years old. The teacher humiliates her, is awful to her, makes her stand on a stool in front of the whole class. Jane Eyre says to Helen, how do you maintain your composure? And she says that it is your duty. I, I can't find the quote right here. But, but basically she says it's your duty to, to bear your burden gracefully. But then here she says, she's talking about her religion. And this is the one sentence. She goes, with this creed. I can so clearly distinguish the criminal and his crime. I can so sincerely forgive the first while I abhor the last. With this creed, revenge never worries my heart. Degradation never too deeply disgusts me. Injustice never crushes me too low. I live in calm looking to the end. Mm. That is religion. That is what religion can provide for you. doesn't mean you don't fight against evil. Of course you should fight against evil. But when you have the, the, the gift of religion, it's true. Revenge doesn't worry you. Degradation never too deeply disgusts you. And injustice never crushes you too low. You always have a reason to carry on. Okay. 
Oh, sorry. Do you want to react? Yeah. Well, I have a lot to say about it, actually. So my, my case for religion is overwhelmingly the moral cases. You well know. Right. Okay. Nevertheless, I do make the point, and that's beautifully put, secularism is hopeless by definition. That's the reason that they talk about hope so much. I, I mentioned this ironically on my on my radio show just recently. The motto of the Barack Obama campaign was hope and change. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was saying, hope, what the hell are you talking about? We're, we live in a hopeless country, the richest country in the history of the world, more opportunity for more people than any place ever, ever uh, devised, more freedom than any place ever created. We need hope. What are you talking about? We're not living in, in, in impoverished Ghana or something. Right. What are you talking about? But then I realized they're all secular. And and there is no hope. You die, folks, and that's it for oblivion for eternity. And whatever you did in this world, in the final analysis, for the vast majority of people, won't matter any more than you know what your great-grandparents did. Just the way it is. Let's be realistic. You want hope? The only hopeful place in the world is in religion. And that's 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 the point. It, it It's the perfect response because it... it synopsizes the point that I wanted to make. I feel like what religion does is it takes circumstances that you can and will encounter in your life and it gives you a prescription or a way forward with how to deal with them. When When injustice or a stroke of bad luck or bad treatment afflicts a leftist, what is their worldview that they can plug it into? I don't know. With religion, there's a, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a great prescribed worldview. It's, you know, deal with this gracefully. Try their, to fight it as much as you can. Their worldview ultimately is destroy the present world. It'll get better. So here's this line. This, this shows you how religion offers a prescription for the woes of life. I feel like you could so draw a So there's another chart. quote. There's a, oh, the, the whole book is filled no, with no, quotes. No, no, I know I'm that, but I mean about myself. religion. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, the whole book is quotes about religion. Oh, interesting. The whole dialogue, it's all religion without ever saying God, mm-hmm. which is, I think, by the way, a great tactic because sometimes it can be too too forced on people. So it's a dialogue between Mr. Rochester, who's Jane's lover, or not not at this point in the book, but the person who Jane's in love with, and Jane. And they're getting to know each other, and, and Mr. Rochester is talking about uh, decisions in his life where he could have he, he done better. And... Um, he said, I should have been superior to my circumstances. Even that one line, superior to your circumstances. Who even talks like that anymore? Who even thinks that way? Can you imagine someone my age thinking I can be superior to my circumstances? Brilliant. Isn't it brilliant? This is No, no, no. Your insight there's is brilliant. There's so many Oh, my insight. Who, who, who would thought no like one, that? No one. No one thinks that you think that your circumstances prescribe your whole life. There's no there's you can't even conceive of being superior right. to your circumstances. I'm telling you the book is scattered with treasures like this. He says, "When fate wronged me, I had not the wisdom to remain cool i turned desperate and then i degenerated and then he's talking about how he has remorse and guilt for things and he says you know miss Eyre, remorse is the poison of life and jane Eyre responds repentance is said to be its cure sir now before i continue just that look at this he's saying remorse is the poison of life jane Eyre is saying repentance is said to be its cure remorse problem repentance prescription that's religion. You could write a commentary on Jane Eyre. Oh, totally. I'm not kidding. But that's a that's that's what religion that's right. does for you. Yeah, yes. Because in but like think about it. when you have remorse on on the left. I don't know if they do have remorse. Seriously, I don't I don't know if some leftists have remorse. What it what it what's the worldview that they put it through to make themselves better? Is there one? Right. Seriously, well, make yourself do they, better. Is, is, they don't think in terms. That that's my old line. You know, you it's. A, all the problems of your life don't come from you, come from your parents and from from America. Life life is so hard. Life presents you with so many challenges, and and you have to. Th- this is this is my overarching point. You have to have a touchstone, a guide, in order to get through it. 
A, to just be a happy, functioning person and to be a, right. to be a principled person. You can't just try – as much as you may want to, you can't just navigate through life on your own. That's why you need Judeo-Christian values. This book is just – is an advertisement for Judeo-Christian values. By it's the way, I compass. was also thinking about the dialogue between the suitor and the suited yeah. here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine a couple speaking like that today, which is sad. You would – Right. No, it, it, I mean, of course, you're ta- of course, the diction would be totally different, but even the sentiment. So you're right. A, Couples uh, yeah. don't discuss that. Right. Hey, folks, we are delighted to announce Dennis's next listener cruise with our friends at Coastline Travel, England, Iceland, and Greenland, June 24th to July 5th, 2024. They'll be sailing on the Regent Seven Seas on one of the most beautiful, luxurious ships Dennis says he's ever seen. The Seven Seas Splendor with white glove service, spacious rooms, and superb cuisine. Regent is a five-star luxury line and all-inclusive. That means business class air, one-night pre-hotel in London, London, shore excursions, unlimited beverages, gratuities, and of course, special events with Dennis, all covered in the cost. Visit spectacular places in Iceland, one port in Scotland, the Faroe Islands, and three ports in Greenland. As Dennis always says, the best reason to travel is the kindred spirits that you'll meet on the journey. These trips always sell out fast. Click the banner at DennisPrager.com or call 1-800-345-2483. Again, click the banner on Dennis's website or call 1-800-345-2483 or email them at PragerListeners at CoastlineTravel.com. Again, click the banner on Dennis's website or send an email to PragerListeners at CoastlineTravel.com. So your next date, which you should ask the guy is, so I'm curious, have you risen above your circumstances? Are you superior to your circumstance? <laughs> okay. That would be fun. I'll... I'll tell you a funny thing. Shows you how much this book has come into my life. So my roommate and I were shopping the other day for clothes and jewelry. And we came across this pair of earrings. And we were looking at them and I tried them on. And I'm looking at them in the mirror and I go, totally straight faced. I didn't even realize how absurd I sounded. Totally uh, dead serious. I go, you know... My mom almost bought me earrings like this, but then we judged them too old looking for my young countenance. That's hilarious. <laughs> she looked at me like, are you okay? So you're starting to speak like I'm starting to speak like, like Charlotte it. Bronte. Yes. We judged it too old looking for my young countenance. She's like, okay, we got to get you off of this book. That's great. It's, it's almost like after doing my Bible commentary, I'm tempted to say, how art thou? Oh, of course. Instead, how are you? Instead of how are you? <laughs> okay, I'll give you one other line. One other, yeah. I promise, and then I'll be done. But it's but it's it's on the subject. So if on a date a guy said to you, you know, I, I, I just finished Jane Eyre. Oh, you, where's, you, the, where's the altar? That's right. That's no, sir, gentlemen who, can you imagine? who are looking to marry Julie, of whom there are multitudes. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there oh, are. Oh, I'm sure there are. Oh, okay. okay. All right. well, you, you can you're delusional. I'm not. Okay. Maybe you are. One of us might be. Well, we, we both might be. No, you but, are. No, no, we, no, no, I'm not. You are a very <laughs> desirable woman. I know this means nothing to you. Thank you. Okay, That's fine. very nice. Thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. Okay. So, Rochester. But anyway, I, I just want to say, I, I, I would almost try to arrange it. <laughs> That's some guy... I would say, just just say, you know, I'm just curious, Julie, have you read Jane Eyre? Oh, my God. I would fall over. Of course. Exactly. You know what's sad? I wouldn't even conceive that that would happen. Right. I don't even. No, you would of course know that De- would never happen. So, Dennis put you up to this? That's what your reaction would be. <laughs> By the way, I was thinking you should come on the next date I'm on and just sit at the next table I and would, listen. I would. <laughs> I am not at all a nosy person. That's just not my nature. <laughs> But I would do anything to do that. I know you would. But they would be like, that's Dennis Prager at the next table. Oh, yeah, and that's don't you have a show with him? That is an issue. Okay. Okay, finally. And then and then I promise I'll I'll go find someone else to talk about Jane Eyre with. I would stop a stranger on the street to talk about this book. Right. Remorse is the poison of life, Rochester says to Jane. Jane says repentance is said to be its cure, sir. And then then Mr. Rochester starts going into this spiral of, well, basically, it's too late for me in life to to repent or to reform myself. 
he's he's kind of um, in a slump before he meets Jane. And Jane, with her Judeo-Christian values, pulls Rochester out of his slump. He says, because happiness has been denied to me, I have a right to get pleasure out of life. I highlighted that. That is that's the that's the leftist mantra. Happiness has been denied to me. I have a right to get pleasure out of life. It's what we were talking about earlier. Have no have no responsibility to anyone but yourself. You know what Jane responds? Then you will denigrate yourself more, sir. You know what he says? Possibly. Yet why should I if I can get sweet flesh fresh pleasure? And I may get it as sweet and fresh as the wild honey the bee gathers on the moor. You know what Jane says? It will sting. It will taste bitter, sir. I love this. This is just, this is, I wrote in the margin, classic debate. Why would you reform yourself? Why not become a hedonist if life so has given you a bad lot? why she fall in love with this guy with those views? Because I think she sees potential in him. I yeah, think she's... Women do that all the time. It's a big mistake. <laughs> really? Yes. Do not, you, you should marry a man, dear, dear women, dear young women. If you, yes, if you see potential, but not potential that you will bring out potential mm. you we don't change people we marry that is a big rule a lot of people have a savior complex they will save somebody hmm? a lot of women oh a lot a lot of men too believe it or not i will make her happy if i if she's not happy or i will x y but you're right women in particular so just know you won't change the person if you see potential in him, in other words, right now he's a struggling student, but I know he's a right. hardworking man. Oh, absolutely. That's the right guy to see potential, but not potential that you will inculcate, mm. but that he will bring out of himself. Mm. I agree with you. I do think, you know, one of the things I say about you, Dennis, is that you help me bring out my potential. I think there was a... Right, but I didn't befriend you right. knowing, oh, this is what I could do for her. And the and the the hard material was in me. Yes. You know, like that's the seeds correct. were there. I yes. just need a little water on it to grow. Yes, that's right. But you can't plant, the, you can't invent and plant the that's seeds. The right. seeds need, yep. need to be there. Yep. Yep. Um, um, and then and then there's, there's another passage where, where um, Rochester is basically saying he can make his own rules about life. Of right and wrong and um she said the human infallible should not aggregate a power with which the divine imperfect alone can be safely entrusted what power rochester asks that of saying of any strange unsanctioned line of action let it be right essentially he's saying she's saying you cannot determine what is right and wrong you have to know your limits as a human being, and trust God and the divine with the rest. What Even, year did she write this? Uh, was it in the middle of the 19th 18, century? Yeah, yeah. 18. Middle? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm 1835. Yeah, middle. All right. Or first third. Well, drop after the third, yeah. But you know what? The, the, it, it was a rich time. It was a rich time. And... It, it shows you, like, there's just a totally different way of thinking. And also, the fact that she would say to a guy, I mean, they're both young, right? Mm-hmm. Jane Eyre and... and well, he's Stevens. a little older, but yeah. How old is he? He's about 15 years old. He's 40. She's 30, 25. Okay. So can you... She says, sir. Yes. Oh, and you know what they do at one point in the book? They they um, There's a big dinner party at the mansion. The, it, it, even just the way they describe, like, the, the velvet chairs and... The, I mean, the whole book is just amazing and they're they're describing this party at the mansion and when the when the dinner has ceased you know what they all do they go into the room and they sing and they dance and they play music Mm. i know this this sounds like okay we know people used to do that but really take a moment to contemplate that when you're done with dinner in 1835 you don't have a phone you don't have you have you don't have a car you don't have a tv you don't have you go in and what are you just going to do You've already talked with people all night over dinner. You have to start singing. What if you don't know how to sing and dance? Well, figure it out. Make it up. Do it there. They had to figure out how to have fun with just the, the what we perceive as bare tools. But the irony is that they were probably richer tools than the ones we have now. 
There's another book in light of this you should read, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Have you heard of it? No. You'll read it in one sitting knowing you. <laughs> but it, it's, the guy wrote it in about the, the, I think about the 1970s. I forgot his name. Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he, 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 he pinpointed exactly, it's, it, it's like it was written yesterday. The examples he gives are from are dated, but it's irrelevant. The, the points are where. What's the difference? Why did I raise this? Mm-hmm. They amuse themselves. We are now, yeah, postman, right? We are now consumers of amusement, mm-hmm. not producers of amusement. Do you know the? Oh, the great majority of American homes, if they could at all afford it, had a piano. Because you, there was no, there were no records or that, you know, or or or, or streaming music or or iPhones or any. There was no way to listen to music if you didn't produce it. So the 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 average family had a piano. I would love to know what percentage of kids today get piano lessons. Bible and piano was the th- two things you said that, that, that should be in every and, home. That's right. Well, if you look at the replacements, the recreational activities that people overwhelmingly engage in in 21st century America and not 19th century America, it's drugs, alcohol, food, TV, social media, and now we're seeing virtual reality headsets. What is the through line of all of those? Escapism, pacifying yourself, numbing yourself. Now, one could argue reading a book or singing and dancing is a form of escapism, but that form of escapism brings you, I think, closer to life, even though it's a bit of an escape. What I just outlined, drugs, alcohol, TV, social media, virtual reality headsets, that's an escapism that takes you away from life. Mm-hmm. It, that, that's what you know. You know what that shows you. We are we are spiritually suffocated. We are we are um, so thirsty for meaning. Well, that's thirsty. why you love our Shabbat dinners. Yes, there, it's there's just, no escapism. It's like spiritual it's Disneyland. Just, it, it, that's right. It everyone is. needs everyone needs a dose of spiritual Disneyland, and that's that's why people are going towards the numbing things because they don't know that there's that spiritual Disneyland available to them. But it is. It really is. And I view it as my task as a host to, to, to bring it to people. I love it. I do. I, you, well, thanks you, for indulging my nerd fest. What you say is music to my ears. It's so, it's so wonderful to hear you say this. I want to go back, though. I just, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, we only have a few minutes. I, so I'll go back to what most people think is truly insignificant and I think is extremely significant, the clothing issue. I keep coming back to it. And you know what I'm thinking? Maybe Prager you should do a billboard campaign. Clothing matters. No, I, I mean, yes, but I think they should do the, 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 the God judges. God judges you. Yeah. Well, that, that's my first choice. I'm going to talk to them about both. So here is my question. When I look at grown men come in onto the plane wearing a t-shirt, which is very common. I'm thinking, well, my father was a grown man. It's inconceivable to me to imagine my father going onto an airplane in a t-shirt. I think it's inconceivable to my children to imagine that I would go on a plane in a t-shirt. I wouldn't want to think my, my, my children would go on a plane in a t-shirt. Does that make sense to you? Yes and no. I, I get it. That's but why it, I'm asking. I, I planes, didn't ask, I yes. think, are different, honestly. It doesn't matter. Because planes are so uncomfortable. You're there for hours. You should really be in clothing that's going to be comfortable. You shouldn't be wearing a, uh, a you know, um, pajama set. I get that. But I think some leggings and a t-shirt on a plane is okay. I do. Now, if you would so say where, church, wait, so where, your point is taken. Well, church, they do think that it's okay. So what about, okay, in a restaurant? Not a fancy restaurant. A regular diner. I think, I think a nice 
shirt, a nice looking shirt, not not like a ba- rock and roll band do, shirt. Do, have you ever been on a date with a guy wearing a t-shirt? Um, probably. Did it strike you as an issue? I uh, sometimes dress has has struck me as an issue, but mo- mostly because I thought one time I went on a date with a guy and he wore really artsy stuff, and I was like, oh no, no. All right, no. well, stopping the no, 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 but I, I really want to isolate because look. One no. could say my my views are dated from the generation I grew up in. Okay. Uh, by the way, that doesn't disqualify them. They may be dated. But there are nice t-shirts and there are not nice t-shirts. And I think there's a distinction. I wish we had photos. Like So a Philadelphia Phillies t-shirt. Oh, oh hell no. Oh no. If someone showed up on a dinner date wearing that? No. Right, so you mean in a sort of expensive uh, t-shirt yes, with a jacket over nice. it. Okay, yes, I'm not yes. talking about that. Okay. I'm talking about a T-shirt, not not, not a you know a nice shirt that. No, I would a, not. A I would shirt. not go on a date. I would. No, it. no, but it, no. Well, you were already on the date, <laughs> so the question I, is: out. Would it sort of disqualify him? That's my question. Unless he could really make it up for the rest of the dinner, yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. But if he did, you'd probably ask him on the second date. You know, you're a pretty deep guy. Do you? Does it matter to you that you sh- that you show up? You know, looking like a, a peasant. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. That was a good one. It was a good yeah. one. That's so funny. A, okay, on that kulak. note. A kulak. Um, a kulak. You look like a kulak. Ladies and gentlemen, the number of people Julie's age who know the term kulak is one. It is one. <laughs> it is Julie. What's a Kulak, Kulak Sean? was a land-owning peasant. Sean, whom you listen to Timeless. Stalin killed. Stalin massacred in right. the Holodomor. Yes. Yeah, so Holodomor. Right. Holodomor. In Ukraine. 1932, right. 1933. Right. So millions. You're, you're, you're the, with the two people who know the term. Okay. <laughs> he's our producer. When he no, no. He's not deserved. The, he's putting himself in the punishment room. You, hey, listen. If you deserve the punishment room for not knowing what a Kulak was... He does, because I talk about the cool. Yeah, you didn't listen on on Timeless. That's what he should be punished for. Tell them how to get in touch with you. But on a final note, I just want to say something. It may sound harsh, our discussion. Like, I would disqualify the guy who comes in with a Phillies t-shirt. It reflects a sense of dignity and character. No, of course it does. And And respect for you. I take the date seriously. That's what it means if you dress nicely. I'm a woman of a certain esteem. I don't need. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just sounding like a not peasant. Okay. You can reach me at Julie at Julie-Hartman.com. You can also follow me and see videos of Dennis and Julie, especially behind the scenes videos pertaining to cheese puffs at Julie R. Hartman. And check out Dennis and Julie every Monday on this YouTube channel, the Julie Hartman YouTube channel. It airs at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Take care, everyone. Shalom. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.